Welcome back to the Fueled and Well podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a topic that several of you have asked me to cover, which is how do I deal with weight gain? And that is a loaded question, but one that I am so excited to start breaking down for you today. As always, if this episode resonates or if you feel that you could get even more out of it if we expanded on certain topics, please share with a friend, DM us your feedback on Instagram. We are always happy to hear from you. Now let's get into it. All right. First things first, I just want to start this episode by saying that if you are currently experiencing weight gain, body changes, and you are struggling significantly, you're noticing a lot of body image distortion or maybe dysmorphia around your image, I would highly recommend that you make sure that you are supported by a healthcare professional who's trained to help you navigate that because this stuff can get really heavy really fast. And as a reminder, this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only. So it should not be taking the place of any individualized medical care that you might need. That being said, I know I've gotten a lot of requests to talk about dealing with weight gain. So we're going to get into it today. I want to kind of set the scene initially and say, when you decide to leave dieting behind or you enter eating disorder recovery, there are three different things that can happen to your weight. It can go up, it can go down, or it can stay relatively the same. We don't always know what is going to happen, and that can be where a lot of the anxiety comes from. I find for clients sometimes it is helpful to look at their history with food and body and if they have the ability to foresee with an educated guess where their weight is most likely to go, that sometimes can take a little bit of that initial anxiety out. However, we are not fortune tellers, right? Even with considering your history, there's no guarantee that you can predict which way your weight's going to go. I just find sometimes thinking through that and almost preparing ahead of time a little bit can take some of the anxiety out of the process for people. So to give you just a little bit of an idea, if your history with food is rooted in significant calorie restriction, you have signs that your body is underfueled like abnormal labs related to restriction, absent periods, a lot of injuries, poor bone health, it's relatively likely that in your intuitive eating or recovery process, your weight will go up. Again, not guaranteed, just probably more likely. If your eating disorder or chronic dieting journey was more rooted in binging, secretive eating, alcohol abuse, or you've already experienced a lot of yo-yoing in your weight, your weight might be a little bit more likely to go down with intuitive eating. Again, not a guarantee for weight loss, just kind of figuring out where on the spectrum your body might be compared to its comfortable weight, right? 
And then lastly, if your experience with food and dieting existed somewhere in the middle of the two I described, or you haven't been dieting for long, or despite some disordered eating behaviors, you have been the same size for a really long time, even when you took breaks from dieting, you might be more likely to stay in the same weight range as you are right now, right? So just being able to kind of think through that and recognize where might I be on this spectrum? And here's the thing. If you've been dieting since 10 years old, since before you went through puberty, if you've already gone through significant health and body changes like big medical diagnoses since you started dieting, you've been pregnant since then, things like that, it is going to be harder. But I do think sometimes just trying to navigate yourself on that spectrum can feel like, okay, that gives me somewhere to start. It might not end up being exactly what my experience is, but it gives me something to start thinking about versus the unknown of it could go in any three directions, right? So before we get into the kind of tips and different strategies, I would suggest if you're experiencing weight gain, you're struggling with it, or you're just fearful of it, I do want to acknowledge that in a society with a lot of fat phobia, the fear of weight gain makes sense, right? Your brain is trying to keep you safe. It's like I've seen how people larger than me or who weigh what I used to weigh before I had my eating disorder were treated, and that is scary. That doesn't feel safe. I don't want it. It makes sense. We have most likely been exposed to the concept, I would assume we all have been, that weight gain is always a bad thing, always a sign of getting less healthy. And if you layer on maybe you are in a body right now that already isn't really deemed an acceptable size, you've already been told by a doctor a lot to lose weight, you have trouble finding clothes in your size, or you've experienced some other kind of weight-based discrimination at work or in the dating scene, like this is going to be a really scary process that does not feel totally safe. However, if food and exercise and what your body looks like or what you weigh are currently a significant source of anxiety, depression, or the way you are trying to control your body is causing health problems for you, then I promise, despite how shitty our view on bodies and fatness are, you are likely to reap a lot more benefits from taking care of your body and letting your weight do what it needs to do than you are currently benefiting from staying where you are. Again, I completely acknowledge that when you are in a more marginalized body, like these fears are more significant, they are more detrimental. However, there's still a lot that we can work on at any body size to understand and accept and neutralize weight gain. So let's start talking about some of those steps. These steps are not necessarily in any order, but I did want to give you a couple of more tangible, like this is something you can pull up your phone and do and get done. And then some that are a little bit more about the mindset, the intangible. So there's a mix here and you can go in any order. So the first one 
is doing a social media detox. Probably the only time you're going to hear me say the word detox on this podcast, right? There's a lot of different ways you can navigate this, but a few of my favorite straightforward ways to go are unfollow people who constantly show their bodies when talking about food and fitness. Even if you like their recipes, even if you like their workouts, it is going to be very hard to not think about their body compared to yours when you make that recipe or when you try that workout. Let them go. You need them out of your space so you can clear your head and you will find other people if you need those food and workout ideas to mix it up to be fun. You will find people you can trust to give it to you without a classic body check before they show you the recipe. Okay, so get rid of those. Be ruthless. If you really love somebody and you realize, oh, they weren't actually that triggering, I'm sure you can find them again. Next, follow accounts that speak more kindly or neutrally about food and bodies. And bonus points if, as you're doing so, you are also following more diverse body types. That will help you to start expanding your worldview behind people are supposed to look like this or everyone I associate with looks like this. So if my body doesn't look like this anymore, I'm wrong, right? We want to start getting rid of that idea. Another thing, if a lot of what you consume on your social media is food or body or health focused, I would highly recommend you try to expand the types of things you're following. So different types of hobbies, different types of accounts, just making sure that the food and body and health, even if they're more positive messages, are not the only things you see because then that's going to keep it on your mind 24-7 and we likely don't need that, right? We want to be well-rounded, vibrant people with tons of different interests. And if you can get your social media to start reflecting that, it helps you expand your value and identity outside of health and body. And then lastly, if you haven't done this yet, I know it's been a feature for like maybe six months now, hide weight loss ads on Instagram. I don't believe TikTok has an option like this yet, but if I'm wrong, please DM me at Fueled and Well. Let me know and I will make an adjustment in the show notes. The way you do that, it's pretty simple, but I'm going to put the steps in the show notes because that will be easier to follow. Okay, so if you haven't done that yet on Instagram and you want to, check out the show notes for the steps. Next, moving on from social media. This one's more intangible. I want you to work on identifying your why around ending the war with food and body. Is it physical health related? Get specific. Which labs are you looking to improve? Are you trying to get your period back? Right? Things like that. Is it mental health related? Again, get specific. Are you noticing your social anxiety is massive and debilitating anytime social events revolve around food? then holy shit, if we can take some of the charge out of that for you, think of all the things you'll get to enjoy again. All right, so get specific. Is it because you're pissed that you finally realized you've wasted so much time trying to squeeze into society's bullshit beauty standards? Get specific. Like, what makes you mad? What things are so ridiculous that you used to believe that used to put you in a box that used to make you depressed and stressed and feeling other? Get specific, okay? The more specific your why is, the easier it is to see when you are moving closer to that why. If you say, because I want to be happier, that's really hard to measure on any given day. Maybe five years from now, you'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely happier than I was. But in the day to day, that's going to be tricky, right? 
And I would encourage you to have at least a few bullet points in your why because some of them might take a little bit longer to achieve. I would also really encourage you with your why, keep it written down somewhere so that you can refer back to it when things get hard because things do get hard when we are going through a process that not everybody goes through or not everyone around you understands. So if you have it for easy reference somewhere, it's a really, really helpful tool to have. And then lastly, notice, because I think when I finally realized this, this really helped me to sink into my why. Your why is most likely rooted in something positive and or something empowering, whereas the why behind fearing weight gain is usually rooted in some kind of fear or scarcity. And if you are struggling with like your quality of life because of this, recognizing I can still be nervous about weight gain because I've seen how sometimes that goes with friends or family or doctors. However, I am choosing to move towards a goal that's going to be more positive and empowering. Even if the process is scary, that is more valuable to me than staying stuck in this fearful place. So having kind of that bigger picture and understanding how you're going to improve your quality of life in this process, in the pursuit of your why, that can feel really, really good when people are being shitty or not understanding what you're doing. Okay, this one. I think we could probably do a whole episode on this one. And if you are interested in the extra support, tell me and I can fully elaborate on this. But the next thing I would encourage you to do, a closet clean out. So I typically like to do a closet clean out once a year or so for, you know, to identify anything that I don't like anymore that's in bad shape that I need to replace or that definitely doesn't fit me anymore. And here's the thing, having some things that are slightly bigger and slightly smaller than maybe what you're currently in but are within the realm of your normal body fluctuation, that's really helpful because we're going to go through seasons where we want things that fit a little more loosely or where we're comfortable in the stuff that's a little bit smaller, but like the jean shorts from high school not going to be helpful. They got to go, right? And then in addition, when you're first working through body changes or maybe anticipating body changes, I like to make sure that you have some clothes in your closet that are not super tight and form-fitting that you actually like to wear. So for me, because I work from home and my only venture out of the home normally is like to teach fitness classes or to occasionally see friends, but it's pretty like casual. I wear a lot of workout clothes, which are inherently going to be more form-fitting, leggings and stuff. That kind of stuff isn't going to be the most helpful, right? So finding things that aren't designed to be excessively form-fitting that you also like to wear and that fit you can help a lot because in general, when we are going through body changes, clothing that is tight can be triggering, but especially if you're in the process of making changes with food and you are already in your head assuming that your body is going to change, you will be hyper aware of how those tight clothes fit. So whether that means getting some styles that are a little bit more relaxed or ordering one size up in a couple of your favorite items, just give yourself a little bit of that buffer so that you are not immediately pulled into does this mean I've gained weight when you put those favorite clothes on, right? Give yourself a little bit of room there. 
And then again, if you want me to go into a whole closet clean out episode, we can totally do that because there's a ton we can work through there. Okay. Another is to set boundaries early with anyone close to you. That doesn't mean you have to set boundaries with the whole world. It'd be hard. (laughs) But set boundaries early with anyone really close to you who is typically very vocal about bodies. So if you have certain friends that are always commenting on bodies or a specific family member that constantly brings up what other people look like when they've gained or lost weight, et cetera, you want to get ahead of that because you are already likely to be thinking about your body and body changes more. So the more we can buffer the external messages, the better. Again, you are not going to be able to buffer them all. People are shitty and they're going to go off on how people look. And that's just unfortunately part of what our culture is like right now. But for those people close to you whose opinions you value, who you feel that you can set a boundary with, I would try to do it sooner rather than later. And this is not required in setting a boundary, right? No, I don't want to talk about bodies is a full and complete sentence and it is justified in and of itself. However, If you feel comfortable being a bit more open about why you are setting this boundary, in my experience, people who care about you are more, are even more likely to take the boundary seriously, be more vigilant about it, and maybe even influence others to stop talking about body around you if they understand that you've been struggling. That part is not required, but depending on your relationship with that person and how ready you are to share, sometimes it can help give a little bit of extra oomph behind that boundary. Okay, two more and then we will be done. Allow yourself time to feel the feelings around your body changing. There are going to be days where work is chaotic or you have 10 minutes to get dressed to leave for that thing that you're going to be late for where we won't have time to sit and feel the feelings. But you are absolutely going to have times where you're home, you can sit and think about it for a little bit, you can journal it out, you can say, I'm going to put on my comfy, loose-fitting clothes and take care of myself and just be a little bit sad or frustrated right now. Like You are going to get the opportunity to sit with your feelings sometimes. And when you've got the time, I would encourage you to. And here's why. You have been taught probably your whole life that weight gain is a bad thing. You have only recently identified that allowing your body to change however it needs to is probably the healthier route and long-term the better route for you. But just because you've identified it in your brain does not mean your emotions will catch up that fast. So as your body starts to change, Allow yourself time to say, oh, yeah, that's making me sad today, right? Like, that's okay. That doesn't mean a month, a year from now, that same realization is going to make you sad, but it's okay to feel those emotions. What I always tell clients is feeling the emotion is not necessarily problematic. Acting on the emotion is when we reinforce the old belief that weight gain is bad and that we shouldn't let our body change, right? Feeling it is one thing. Saying, time to re-download my fitness pal. Time to go do a grueling two-hour workout in the gym. That is you saying, I see you emotion and I'm going to 
allow you to convince me to go back to that old belief because it feels safer, right? That's when we take a step back. You can absolutely still come back from that. But feeling the emotion is not nearly going to present as many problems as acting on the emotion, if that makes sense. And as you notice those feelings, that's a really good time to pull that why back up, whether you have it on a note in your phone or you like the hard copy journaling or whatever it is. So for me, to give you an example, when I first started intuitive eating, probably in that first six months or so is when I experienced body changes more rapidly and then things kind of evened out, became more predictable, right? But as that was happening, I noticed a lot of other things changed too. And a lot of them were connected to my why. So (laughs) one, I was way less irritable. You're lucky you didn't know me when I was drastically dieting, if you didn't know me. If you did, sorry. (laughs) I did not hate going to the gym anymore. I had like a a nasty relationship with the gym where I was like, fuck you, but also I'm going to go every day. It was really weird. I stopped feeling like that. I just went when I wanted to and when I didn't, I didn't. And it was totally cool and neutral. I saw a big shift in my skin and my hair health. And by like the year mark, I was sleeping way better, which probably means my body was finally coming out of crisis mode. So if you aren't looking for those improvements or if you aren't grounding yourself in your why and all you're doing is looking in the mirror or using your clothes to body check and tell you if you're doing something quote unquote right, it might be really hard for you to see all of the incredible benefits you're gaining early in this process, right? So figuring out not how to stuff the weight thoughts down and avoid them and feel bad for having them, but how to counterbalance them with all of these other realizations so that I can continue moving forward and reconnect to my why and feel validated in this approach even when I have those hard weight moments. That is really, really key in longevity of this process. And to give you a little insight, you will not have to do that forever. You might have those moments here and there, but you will not have to consistently battle it to that level forever. And then the last point, continue working to expand your beliefs and change your biases about body and health. That is going to help you continue to accept those changes in your body, better understand maybe where the emotions or biases come from, It's just going to expand your worldview so that you're not thinking thinness is the most important thing always and going away from thinness is automatically a problem or means I'm a failure or I'm less healthy, right? And so I want to give you two different people to look into here because there's a lot of different ways you can expand your worldview, but I love these two options. So for challenging anti-fat bias and understanding your own baggage around weight. I love Aubrey Gordon's work. She's got two different books and then she also has a really great podcast. Her podcast does talk quite a bit about anti-fat bias, but it also just debunks a bunch of other bullshit health stuff. So it'll give you a pretty like well-rounded look at the weight neutral space. And then her books are more specifically about breaking down stigma around fatness and weight and all of that stuff. And then for building body resilience, which I think is more important than body positivity or body neutrality or whatever you want to call it, body resilience, meaning I can feel these feelings about my body, 
because I'm human and we're always getting messages about body, but I can also ground myself and move forward and feel really happy with how I'm taking care of myself even if I have a bad body image moment, right? Resilience is so much more indicative of our long-term ability to take care of ourselves well and not obsess over weight. So to better understand and maybe like work on that skill, there is a book called More Than a Body by Lexi and Lindsay Kite who spent years doing PhD research on body image. And it's fantastic. So we will link that as well. Now, as I said at the top, I know that this topic can get heavy really fast. It is one that can take time to change, especially if you are in environments often or have a lot of close relationships with people who are not weight neutral and who like to keep that like body stigma alive, but you absolutely can do it. You absolutely can do it. It just takes some persistence. And in certain cases, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, some extra support if you're noticing a lot of distress. And it just requires you to continue to learn more about yourself, more about the world. So that's what some of those resources will be for. We'll also, again, link how to hide the weight loss ads in Instagram. So check out the show notes today. They will be packed with a bunch of good stuff. And if you want me to elaborate on anything in this episode, because I know this topic could be like a whole podcast series in and of itself, please DM us on Instagram. Let me know what maybe helped you in this episode and what you would still want us to expand upon further. And with that, I will see you next week.